every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host as usual, John Paul Iwoha. The topic of today's episode is profits. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about interesting ways to improve the profits of your business. Now, profits are very important, as we all know as entrepreneurs, because profits are a sign of good health for a business. A business that's not making profits is, you know, more likely not sustainable. Because if you're not making profits in business, it's likely you're not getting a reward for the risk that you're taking in that business. You're not getting rewarded for your creativity and your innovation. And you're not getting any returns on the time and effort you're expending in that business. And it's likely going to be a matter of time before you give up, before you start to become frustrated. So profits are a sign of good health because they give you something in return for taking the risk and you know applying your creativity and innovation and all that profits also provide the uh, most sustainable source of funds to grow and expand the business there's a limit to how much uh, there's a limit to the patience of investors who keep funneling money down your business at some point they are going to want to start getting their money back with returns there's a limit to how much money the banks can give you before they start to ask for their money back with interest but with profits you have a sustainable source of funds to grow and expand a business and for some kinds of businesses you may not even need external capital external funding because the business is generating enough um, profits for you to reinvest in the business and grow the business there are a couple of businesses that, that are now very big businesses, multi-billion dollar businesses, and never really took a, a cent of outside money. MailChimp is one good example. The email marketing software started about 20 years ago. Today, it's a multi-billion dollar business, and the founder never took money from outside. The money that was used to grow the business were from the profits the business was making, and those monies were reinvested. Another example is is, is Spanx uh, by Sarah Blakely. I believe Spanx is... Um, clothing or apparel for, for, for women. And um, Spanx is one of those businesses that hardly raise money from the outside. It started as a small business. Sarah started with her savings and then grew the business to a multi-billion dollar business without raising a single dollar from outside um, sources, either from banks or from investors. So it's very possible that from the profits a business generates, you're able to um, plow that back into the business and grow and expand the business. And then, of course, profits provide the means to accumulate wealth. If you want to grow your net, your net worth, you have to get something back from the business. And it's only profits that would allow you to start keeping money aside and then investing in other things to be able to accumulate wealth. So I know this is all sounding like music to, to, to you because for most entrepreneurs, except you are running a social entre- um, enterprise where uh, profit is not the ultimate goal, but for most businesses, for most ventures, especially the ones that I work with, the ultimate goal is that the person running the business wants to get a return on the risk that they are taking. They want an additional source of income or they want to make the business their sole source of income. They want it to be the engine that helps them to, that, that helps them to generate wealth and then grow their net worth. So, Essentially, I don't need to preach to you why profit is important. The, the, the main focus of this episode will be on ways and tips that you can use to improve profits in your business. But before we talk about how to improve profits in your business, it's important to understand what exactly we mean by profits. You know, there's a major assumption around profits and we tend to think that we're, that we're talking about the same thing. Essentially, we are not because there are three types of profits. So when we talk about improving profits, we need to be very specific. And now I'm being specific. There are three major types of profits any business can have, and I'm going to explain them. The first type of profit is gross profit. 
Now, gross profit is the difference between your sales price and the cost of making and selling the product. So maybe I would explain this with, with an example. And the reason I'm doing this is that gross profit is very important. If you're having issues with profitability in your business, it's very likely we can trace it back to gross profit. So let me explain. Let's say I'm in the business of selling cars. I import cars from America or Europe. I import them down to Africa and then I sell them. So what gross, what gross profit means is that the cost of buying the car from America, the cost of shipping the car down to Africa, and any cost that I incur bringing in that car until it lands at my doorstep or until I, until I sell that car, any costs I incur that are directly related to the car I want to sell, not my business, the car I want to sell, the cost of the car, the cost of freight, the cost of shipping the car, any taxes or levies I pay at the border, all of all those things are direct costs and they, they add up to the cost price of that car. So let's say the total cost I've incurred bringing in that car before I sell it is $7,000. Now that is the, that is the, the cost of, of, of that car. That's the cost of selling that car. $7,000. That's what I've incurred so far. And then I eventually sell that car to a customer for $10,000. That's the sales price. So my gross profit is $3,000. That's $10,000 minus $7,000. Now, remember, I've not said anything about rent. I've not said anything about other expenses of running the business. All these costs are directly related to the product I, I just sold, which is the car. So I, the, the, the cost price is $7,000. I sold it for $10,000. My gross profit is $3,000, which is essentially 30%. That's uh, 3,000 divided by 10,000, 30%. So it's important that you keep this in mind as we go through this episode, because the gross profit is the major, is the first um, point where we start to analyze what may be wrong with the profitability of your business. So it's essential that you, you remember this. I also need to mention, in the cost price, my, the, the salary I pay my employees, all of all those things are not part of it. What goes into gross profit is, this, is the sales price minus the direct costs of making or buying the product you just sold. So the reason GP's um, gross profit is very important is that it's a major determiner of a company's final profit. If, if your gross profit is low, there is no way your final profit is going to be higher than your gross profit. So your gross profit determines your eventual profit at the end of the day. And then your gross profit is influenced by two things. It's influenced by the sales price and the cost price. These are the two, these are the two things that determine your gross profit. So you need to keep that in mind when we start to discuss ways of improving your profit. The second type of profit is your operating profit. Now, your operating profit is the difference between your gross profit that I just explained and your overheads. So your overheads are the fixed costs of running your business. So when I say fixed costs, what I mean is that whether you sell, so using my car example, whether I sell any cars or not, I'm still going to pay my fixed costs. For example, if I have an office that I pay rent for, it doesn't matter if I sold any cars during the year. It doesn't matter if business was very good or very bad. I must still pay my rent. It's already an existing obligation. So it's a fixed cost. If I have a receptionist at the, at the office and a couple of employees that I pay a monthly salary, I still have to pay them their salaries whether or not we sell cars, whether or not we've done any business, whether, of course, whether or not, whether or not we, we got customers. These are fixed costs of running the business. I'm still going to pay for electricity. I'm still going to pay for my, my internet subscription. These are fixed costs. So when you subtract, when you add up your fixed costs and subtract it from your gross profit, you get your operating profit. So it's either fixed costs or overheads. Essentially, what happens is that after you have your gross profits, like I used in my example, I just sold one car and I made $3,000 in gross profit. Out of that money, I, and if, if I imagine that I only sold one car in the whole of the month, in, in one whole month, I sold just one car. Out of that $3,000, I still have to pay rent. I have to pay salaries. I have to pay the electricity bills. I have to pay the internet bills and every other fixed cost of running my business. What comes out at the end is the operating profit. So let's say um, when I add up the salaries to pay 
rent and other costs of running the business, other overheads. Let's say the total of my overheads is, is $1,500. When I subtract that from my gross profit of $3,000, what I have is $1,500 remaining. That $1,500 is my operating profit. Now, that is the second kind of profit. Now, remember, the first kind is your gross profit, which is the difference between your sales price and your cost price. Your cost price are made up of the direct costs that, that's required to, to make or buy the product. In the case of the example we used, I'm, I'm buying um, the product. The second type of profit is operating profit, which is the difference between your gross profit and your overheads. Your overheads are the fixed cost of running your business. And then that brings us to the third kind of profit, which is net profit. Now, net profit is what remains from your operating profit after you pay the bank. So if you have any loans, after you pay the interest components of the loans to the bank, and after you pay the government, after you pay your taxes, what remains is your net profit. Now, your net profit is what goes to you. That's what you can take home. After you've paid, you know, you've settled, you've paid everybody. So the difference between your operating profit and your and and paying your 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 bank loan interest and paying the government taxes is your net profit so the net profit is what you take home as the entrepreneur the net profit is your reward for doing that business the net profit is your reward for the risk you've taken for the time you've put into the business for your creativity and your innovation and if you have any shareholders or people who or a co-founder or people who own shares in your business what you guys share is the net profit so as you can imagine, gross profit is not entirely your money. Operating profit is not entirely your money. If you take home your operating profit without paying the bank or paying the government, they're going to come after you. So the net profit is the only profit you can take home and sleep with your two eyes closed. So it's important to understand this because when people talk about profits, they might be using vanity metrics and be talking about gross profit or operating profit. or But essentially what we're focused on is net profit. But we cannot... We cannot improve net profits if we do not improve the other types of profit. If we don't improve your gross profit, your net profit is going to remain small. If we don't improve your operating profit, your net profit is going to be small. So I hope we have some alignment on that. So at this point in the episode, I'm going to be looking at five ways to improve the profitability of your business. Now that I've explained to you the three types of profit that exist, let's now go into specifics. And I'm going to be showing you how you can improve these three types of profit. So let me start with the gross profit. Now, if you still remember, gross profit is the difference between how much you sell your product and the cost of getting that product to the point of sale. So, and I use the, the car, the car one um, uh, as an example. Maybe I should also use an example for services. So imagine I'm, I'm a repairman. Let's say I'm a plumber, right? And then um, I get referrals from an agency. So people need uh, plumbing work at home. Maybe there's a bust pipe or something. And then they call the agency and then the agency calls me. So the agency gets a 10% commission on any jobs that I do, right? So let's imagine that somebody has called in and then they're having problems with their kitchen sink, right? So the cost of the job, the cost of fixing this thing is, um, let's say, $500 for sake of argument, $500. So out of that $500, which is what the customer pays me, I have to pay 10% to the agency that referred the job to me. That's $50 gone, right? Now, the other direct cost of doing that job would be if I bought any materials and then the cost of transportation, if I had to transport myself from my location to the customer's location, all of all these things are direct costs of doing that job. So let's imagine um, the agency fee is $50 and then with all the materials and everything I had to buy, the, the total cost comes up to $200, right? So that $200 is the direct cost of doing that job. It doesn't include my cost for rent. It doesn't include other costs I use for running my business. What we're looking at are the direct cost of doing that job. So let's say the total cost, including the agency fee, is $200. That means my gross profit on that job is $300. So I hope I'm, I'm trying to balance the skills here. I use the example of a car, car sales business for it to, to, as an example for a product 
type business. And then I've, I've used the repairman example as an example for a service type business. So it doesn't matter what kind of business you do, whether you sell products or sell services, the concept is still the same for gross profit. So now there are two major ways you can improve gross profit. Remember, I said gross profit is important because your gross profit determines all the other profits. If your gross profit is low, every other type of profit is going to be lower than your gross profit. So it's important that you understand how to improve your gross profit. The first way to improve your gross profit is to inc increase your margin. Now, your margin is the difference, is the gap between your sales price and your cost price. You have already explained, sales price doesn't need any explanation. That's how much your customer pays you for your product or service. Cost price, I've explained, as all the direct costs of getting, to your, getting your product to the point of sale or the cost is taking you to, to complete a job if you're in a service uh, type environment. So the margin is a difference. So the higher the margin between your sales price and your cost price, or cost of goods sold, if you are an accountant, that is a typical term. But for the lay person, let's use the terms sales price and cost price. The, 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 the higher the margin, the higher the difference between your sales price and your cost price, the likely, the, um, the higher your profit. So if you can increase your margin, you can improve your profit. Now, essentially, for different kinds of businesses, there are businesses that traditionally have low margins. So for, sake, for the sake of this um, episode, a low margin is what I consider to be 15% or less. So if the difference between your sales price and your cost price is 15% of your sales price, I consider that a low margin business. Um, retail businesses, if you're in the supermarket business, if you sell commodities like maybe um, uh, food, uh, raw, raw agricultural products or things like water, you know, those kinds of businesses typically have low margins. Another type would be medium margin. For the sake of this episode, I consider anything above 15% above 15 and below 50% to be medium margin. Most kinds of businesses typically have a margin between 15% and 50% and, and I consider anything above 50% to be a high margin. So software businesses, um, mostly service type businesses, consulting, uh, premium services, luxury products uh, have typically have very high gross margins. So if you can increase your margins, then what it means is that you can increase your profit. And like I mentioned, there are two ways you can increase your margin. You can increase your price. You can raise your price. Now, raising your price means that you have also increased your margin because the difference between your sales price and your cost price is going to be higher. So one way is to increase your price. And there are a couple of factors that determine how far you can increase your price. I think you need to look at the previous episode of the podcast where I, I looked at uh, five, ways for, five ways of setting uh, prices for your product or service. And uh, there can be limiting factors to, to raising your price. If what you sell is very similar to what a couple of other people sell in the market, it doesn't make any sense for you to raise your price above them. If not, you're going to lose your competitive edge. But if what you sell is unique, if what you sell is proprietary, if what you sell cannot easily be found out there, then that means you have leverage to raise your price. If what you sell is differentiated, if it provides something that is personalized or customized or particular to each customer, what it means is that you, can, you have the liberty to raise your price. But if what you're selling is something that is easily available out there, then if you raise your price, you're going to give people the incentive to buy from your, from your competitors. So you need to look at these factors in raising your price. The second option you have is to lower, is to reduce your cost price. And there are several options you have there. Typically, your cost price, reducing your cost price um, depends a lot on how much you can squeeze out of the people who supply you. So mainly, the main source of your cost of, of um, the costs that make up your cost price are coming from the people who supply you. So you may need to start looking at the places you buy your raw materials or finished products from. Could you explore other options? Are there better terms you can, you can negotiate with your suppliers more or less to bring down the cost of, 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 um, of production. And there are several inventive ways that businesses, including very big businesses, have, are using to bring down their cost price. So let me give you one common example. A company like Toyota. Now, 
one of the common um, major costs of the, um, of, of the cost component that goes into producing every car is all the parts and all the raw materials they need for making a vehicle. Now, what's, what used to happen is that many of these materials will be supplied in advance and stored in a warehouse. And when you store things, there are costs associated with, with storage. So when, of course, there's a philosophy known as JIT, just in time. So what it means is that your suppliers supply what you need to make your products just in time as you're about to make that product so that you can avoid costs like warehousing costs and storage costs. So that is one creative way to reduce the cost price. But essentially, there's no limit to what you can do to reduce the cost of the products that you make or the products that you buy. You may need to explore other suppliers. You may need to um, explore other ways of buying, the, of, of buying your raw materials that can save you money. But essentially, there are two things you can do to improve your margin. You can, imp you can increase your sales price or you can push down or reduce your, your cost price. The second thing you can do to improve gross profit is to increase volume. Now, it's, this is very important because your gross profit is made up of two things. Remember in the example, I used the sale of one car. So if I made $3,000 in gross profit from selling one car alone, if I want to increase my profit, another option I have is to sell more cars. Because the more cars I sell, if each of those cars makes me $3,000 in gross profit. If I sell three cars, I have $9,000. If I sell 10 cars, I have $30,000. So volume is also another option you have to improve your gross profit. If you notice that, if you if you notice that you cannot um, squeeze, you cannot improve your margin, because maybe you are limited by your competitive environment or the kind of product that you sell. You find that you cannot raise your prices, and then you also find that you are very your hands are tied when it comes to reducing the cost of your product. One thing you can do is you can work on your volume. The more customers you can sell to, the more product you can sell, the higher your your gross profit. And there are a couple of ways you can increase volume. One of the most popular ways is to get new customers. The more new customers you get, the more units of your product you sell, the more people you can serve, and the more gross profit you make. It's just very simple. If you cannot flex your margin, you can flex your volume. And one way to flex your volume, get new customers. But beyond new customers, there's an overlooked opportunity in your existing customers. That's because most businesses focus so much on getting new customers that they do not recognize the opportunities and the gold mine that lie within their existing customer base. And you can sell more to your existing customers through, for example, volume incentives. If you give your customers a reason to buy more, if they notice that they can save more money or get more benefits or get more value by buying two instead of one or buying four instead of one, you can provide those incentives. And in a previous episode, I mentioned a couple of ways you can make more money from your existing customers. I think, I think you should um, look through the episode um, history. I already discussed that in the, in the previous episode. So volume incentives are a, a good way to influence and encourage your existing customers to buy more. Upsells are also, are also an opportunity. So who says if your customers buy one thing, you can upsell them to another one. So let me give you an example from our, in our own business. One potential upsell is you buy one of our books. A potential upsell is to take, our, to, to take a course. So you buy a book on, you, let's say for example, you buy Jackpot, the book on raising capital. It's likely that you need help with raising capital for your business and a course would help you or joining our membership community would help you. That's an upsell. Now, on top of that, what if you want one-on-one -on -one consulting? You want direct consulting, you want something bespoke, or you want us to help you, help you work on your documentation. That's, one, that, that's another level, that's an upsell, and that's also another opportunity to make um, a sale from an existing customer. So don't think in terms of transactions where you just sell to a customer once and that's it. You need to start thinking of ways you can sell them other things that are more than what they already bought. It's likely if they buy something from you and they are happy with what they bought from you, it's likely they will want to do business again with you. So give them that opportunity. 
create something, craft an offer that you knew will be, they'll be interested in that will take them to the next level. Another option too is cross-sell. Somebody buys um, one thing, you can recommend them another thing. So, so somebody comes in, let's say you, you sell clothes, right? And then um, you have a customer who's bought shoes for her children. You know, who says they might not want jeans or shirts or something else? You need to think beyond what you're just selling that person. You need to recommend other things. Think in terms of value. What, if this customer has bought this, what else would they need? Or what else are they likely to need? So upsells and cross-sells are a very good way to make more sales from your existing customers. And at this point, I think there's a, there's, there's a matrix I, I want to share with you. I call it the GP matrix. It's the gross profit matrix. It's a matrix, it's a two-by-two two matrix where we have margin on the vertical axis and volume on the horizontal axis. So this will show you the mix of how businesses play with their margin and their volume. So for example, some businesses are low margin and low volume. The products that they sell have a low margin and then they are not selling to enough customers. They have a very few customers. I call those businesses zombie businesses. And the reason I call them zombie businesses is they are not sustainable. It's a matter of time before they crash. And those kind of businesses never grow. Because if you have low margins and you have low volumes, then essentially you are you're squeezed both ways. You have limited opportunities for growth. And that kind of business is not sustainable. So you have two options. It's either you improve your margin or improve your, your volume or improve both. So the second kind of business um, would be businesses that have a high margin but low volume. So they don't sell to a lot of customers or they don't make a lot of sales. But for each sale that they make, they make a high margin on that. So it's quite sustainable. And I call these kind of businesses boutique or elite businesses. These are businesses that are characterized by uh, the, the kind of products they sell or the kind of services they give you are typically personalized or they are customized or they are high touch, meaning they, 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 they have a high um, engagement with their customers. So it's more personalized and customized, and which is why it's an elite kind of business. Um, Ferrari is an example of, an, of a boutique elite business. They make a, each Ferrari that's sold has a high gross profit margin, but not everybody drives a, a Ferrari. So the volumes that the, Ferrari, that the Ferrari company is able to sell is quite low. But because they make such a high margin on each car that they sell, the business is sustainable and they serve a very small client base. Not everybody you know has a Ferrari. Rolls Royce 2 is an example of a high margin, low volume business. Rolex, the watch, the wristwatch is an example of a high margin, low volume business. Not everybody has a Rolex. Not everybody owns a Rolex. Not everybody can afford a Rolex. So it's a very small customer base. But the margin on each Rolex sold is pretty high. So those businesses are able to survive and are successful. The third kind of business would be the mass market business. These are businesses that, that sell products that have a low margin, but they sell it to a lot of people. So there's high volume. So and many of the products we use fall into this category. Everyday, everyday use products, um, fast-moving consumer goods, impulsive products, things you just buy without uh, thinking. Everything from toothpaste to bottled water to food, basic food products to a haircut. Your, you know, cutting your hair is essentially, there's a, it's a low margin, depending on where you're cutting your hair, but the average barbershop is a low margin, high volume, high volume business and toys, you know? So you need to know where you fall into. You need to know what kind of business that you're into. If you don't understand where you fall into on this grid, so, so far I've discussed the zombie kind of business, which is low margin, low volume. I've talked about the elite or boutique type of businesses, which are high, value, high, high margin, low volume. I've also talked about the mass market kind of business, which is the, high, which is the low margin, high volume. And now I'll be talking about the high margin, high volume kind of business. I call them premium businesses, businesses that deal in premium products and services, but they are such big brands, they are such huge brands that they have a large market base. Um, smartphones is an example. Uh, whether it's um, an Apple, iPhone or Samsung, these things have really good um, gross profit margins and they sell to a lot of people. Software, very good example. Software, has, software is an example of a business that has very good 
um, gross margins. So there's high margin, and then a lot of people get to use the software. Microsoft software, for example, um, most people use Facebook. Facebook is a software. Most people use Twitter. The gross profit of those things are very high. You understand? And then a lot of people um, use them. Uh, digital products like books, ebooks, it costs next, next to nothing to produce an ebook, you know? And then the, the gross margin on on each book you sell, whether it's um, a digital product like an ebook or music or whatever it is, the gross profit margins are really good, and then you're able to sell to a lot of people. So that's it for for gross profit margin. There are two ways you can improve your gross profit margin: you can improve your margin, or you can improve your volume. Now let's go to operating profit. Remember how I explained operating profit. Operating profit is the difference between your gross profit and the overheads of running your business. Your overheads are the fixed costs of running your business. Things like the salaries you pay to your permanent employees, your rent, the rent that you pay, the electricity bills that you pay for, the internet, if you pay for um, what else? So these are fixed costs. And how you know them is whether you sell anything or you don't sell anything, you have to still pay these bills. Same, you know, so you have to pay your rent. Your landlord doesn't care if you sold a product or you didn't sell a product your landlord doesn't care how good business was you have to pay the rent you know your employees don't care whether the business did more did them sold anything or not you have to pay them a salary these are existing obligations that you have and you need to fulfill so that's why overheads are important because they are fixed now it can be good and bad if you are do if you are doing a lot if you are doing good volume either because you have if your if your if your gross profit is good either because you have you are selling at high margin or at high volume if you have if you have good gross profits that means you can take care of your of, of your of your overheads and your overheads usually don't grow at the same pace as your gross profits so sometimes you, you make enough gross profits and you're able to cover your overheads and things are really good. But the businesses that suffer are businesses that are just starting. Where you just started business, you're not really selling to a lot of customers yet. So business is not really um, moving that well. You're not making a lot of sales, but you have overheads to take care of. You have staff to pay. You have employees to pay. You have rent to pay. You have other bills to pay that are fixed that you have to pay whether you, you sell or you don't sell. That's when it becomes a problem. So ways you can improve your operating profit is to work on reducing your overheads. And there are a couple of ways you can reduce your overheads. One common way to reduce your overheads is to look at overcapacity. There are businesses that use more than the business needs. And this could be, it could be office space. It could be um, the, the number of employees that you have. It could be a number of other things, um, salaries that you pay, other fixed bills that you pay. It could be that you have a warehouse that is bigger than your needs, or you have a staff strength, you have the number of employees that is more than you actually need. So these are overcapacity problems. And what it means is that you are paying more than the business can actually support from gross profits. And this will eventually eat into your, your, your net profits at the end of the day. The amount of money you take home is going to be smaller because you are running at overcapacity. You are using more than your business actually needs. So what that means is that you need to, you need to cut down. And sometimes, some entrepreneurs are really blind to these kinds of things, but that's an opportunity. If you're, usually when I come in to diagnose profitability problems in the business, if I, I start with looking at the gross profit, if the gross profit looks good, you know, and we've maxed out all the options we have to improve gross profit. The next logical place to look at will be the overheads. And that's usually where you see the problems. You see that there's a lot of fat. There's a lot of fat in the business that needs to be cut down. And one common area is overcapacity. The business is using more than it needs. Another uh, common um, another opportunity for reducing overheads is to look at areas where the business is paying more than it should. So you might be paying more than you should in rent because there are better options out there. You might be paying more in salaries because you can actually hire some people who will cost you less and still deliver the same value or even better value. You might be paying more for your electricity bills, for your internet, for any of all the other fixed costs that it might be taking you to run your business. You have to now look for areas where you can um, save um, 
you know, um, money. And sometimes it could even be bank charges, bank charges on the transactions that the company does. Sometimes these things are really, really small, 0.5% per transaction. But over time, it accumulates a lot. So there are things you can cut down, you know, and, and um, a couple of other things like that. So you need to look at places where the business is overpaying, where it can pay less and still get the same value or even better value. Another opportunity to reduce overheads is in flexibility. In, and this usually shows up in ways that you can convert your fixed costs into variable costs, for example. So one common way I see businesses that do this is outsourcing or contracting versus employment. Imagine if I were manufacturing a product. The conventional way is to rent a factory or even build a factory equip that factory with all the equipment and machines and all that, and then staff the factory. I would have to hire employees who are going to be on a wage or a salary to run that, that plant. Now, the cost of the overhead of that manufacturing business is going to be high because of the, of the size of the operation. But imagine if I outsource the manufacturing, where I outsource it to another company that produces the product and I just buy the product. What that means is that I have converted something that should have been an overhead into a direct cost. You see, so that is one way you can, by eliminating the, the, the cost of running the business and you just focus on the end product, which is buying from the supplier, the finished or semi-finished product. You are converting a fixed cost into a variable cost. And that is one way you can, you can look at it. Another way is to lease or rent rather than own. Ownership always comes with a lot of overheads. When you own something, you have to maintain it, you have to run it. All these things come with overheads. But if you are leasing it or renting it, what it means is that depending on the nature of the, of the rent or lease, somebody else will be, will be, you'll be transferring those overheads to somebody else. All you just pay for is what you use. You only pay for what you use. You don't just pay for owning it. And there are a couple of interesting examples. Apple, for example, is the world's most successful smartphone maker, the iPhone and the iPad and all those devices, the iMac. But, you know, Apple does not own a, simple, a single equipment that makes any of its devices. Apple sells physical products, but it doesn't own a factory. It doesn't have factory employees. It doesn't, it doesn't incur the, the overheads of running a factory or a manufacturing business. What Apple has done is Apple has outsourced that production. I think it's in the Apple's um, um, uh, outsourced production is in Taiwan. That should be Foxconn. So what Foxconn does is Foxconn, Foxconn uh, produces the iPhones and then, of course, sells it to, to Apple. So Apple gets it as a direct cost rather than incurring the overheads of running a, a, a factory. So Apple, what Apple does is if you look at any iPhone, you see designed in California, but it doesn't say manufactured in California or manufactured in the U.S. No, Apple designs the phone and then outsources the manufacturing and then buys the essentially the the uh, the produce um, um, iPhones and then does the marketing and sales. So Apple only does design, marketing and sales, but it doesn't do production or manufacturing. And Apple has turned out to be one of the most profitable companies in history. Apple is a very profitable company. Another example is Nike, the company that makes, essentially that sells shoes. You know, all the major shoes that, uh, the shoes that uh, the athletes use. Everybody knows Nike. Now, Nike follows the same model, outsource production. Nike designs the shoes or designs jerseys or any of the things that he makes, but Nike does not produce. Nike does not manufacture. Nike does not have um, um, sewing machines or machines that produce shoes or clothes or anything. Those things are outsourced. And then Nike, once they are made, Nike gets them and then does the marketing and sales in all, in all, of, its, all of its shops. So just like Apple, Nike designs and then Ma Nike does the marketing and the sales, but Nike does not produce. And Nike is also a very profitable company. So these are examples of ways that you can that you can work around to reduce your overheads. Do you need to have full-time employees? Can you get flexible working employees who, who only work for you when you need them? That way, if your company is not making sales or business is not going well, you don't have any obligation to pay anybody a salary. They only pay, you only pay when they work. You know, so you need to explore ways that you can work around your overheads because for many businesses, the overhead is a problem. Like I mentioned, it's likely they're using more 
capacity than they need. It's likely they are paying more than they should. And then it's likely too that they are not exploring options for flexibility. They are taking on fixed costs and overheads when they can make it more flexible and pay for what they use. So that's it for improving operating profits. If you reduce your overheads, you can improve your operating profits and get more of your gross profit to flow into your operating profit. The next type, the next um, option, so right now we've talked about three ways of improving profits. The first is to improve your, to increase your margin. The second is to increase your volume. Those are the two options for increasing um, gross profits. The third is to reduce your overheads. If you do that, you're going to improve your operating profit. Now let's look at net profit. So there are two key factors that determine how much of your operating profit goes into your net profit. Remember that your net profit is what you take home as the entrepreneur. Your net profit is your reward, is your compensation for the risk you've taken, for the creativity and innovation you've put into the business, for the time and effort. It's your reward as the entrepreneur. It's what you share with your investors, your shareholders, and your co-founders. Right, anybody who owns stock in your business. But before you can get to net profit, before your operating profit can become net profit, I, if you remember, I told you there are two people you need to pay. You need to pay the bank if you have any, if you've taken any loans from the bank. You need to pay the interest component, and then because the interest is the cost of taking the money. Yes, you, if you take if you take ten thousand dollars from a bank, and the bank is charging you interest. The, you pay back the $10,000, which is the principal of, of the loan, but the interest is the cost of that money you've taken, and that's what is going to affect your, your profit. So after operating profit, there are two people you need to pay. You need to pay the bank's um, interest component, and then you need to pay the government's taxes. So the very first one we should look at is how do you reduce finance costs? Because, you know, there are businesses that have good gross profits, and then they've taken care of their overheads, so the operating profit is looking good. But in the end, they, are, they, they have a high loan burden. They are carrying a heavy loan that most of the profits is paid to the bank. So essentially, you're working for the banks. Because after you pay the bank's interest, there's really nothing much. And what I'm beginning to notice, especially within the emerging markets, Africa's emerging markets, is the, the high cost of capital. And it's understandable from the bank's perspective that they're taking a lot of risk investing in small businesses. So you're beginning to see a lot of um, um, sources of capital that give interest at high rates. So in Nigeria, for example, it's very common to get for businesses to get a loan at 5% interest per month. 5% interest per month. That means in a year, you're paying 60% as the cost of that loan which is really, really high, very high. So what you see is that a business does a good job of selling. They make good gross profits. They manage their overheads well. So the operating profit is looking good. But then they have to pay so much in loan interest that there's really nothing much left for them to go home with. And this is something you really have to, have to look into because I personally experienced this in an earlier business when we were trading um, white products, uh, refined petroleum products. So we did good on the volume side. The overheads were pretty low, you know, because I was running it as a side business with my partner, you know, so we didn't really have an office or anything. So we we're running everything remotely. So we, we didn't really have overheads. What killed us was the interest on the loan, because by the time we calculated our operating profit, there was a lot that, because essentially the business was run entirely um, with the loan we took from the bank. We had very little equity in the business. Most of it was, 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 was a loan. So it was highly leveraged. And that showed itself in the high interest, um, in the high cost of um, uh, interest costs, interest expense we're, we're paying in that business. So in the end, you have a business that is thriving. You're doing well. You're doing everything correctly. But you're paying through your nose for the, the loan you've taken. So that might be something you need to look at. Before you take that loan, you need to be sure, can your business actually take care of the cost? And even after you've taken care of the cost, will the profits remaining make sense? Will it be enough compensation to motivate you to keep working in that business? Or would you just feel like you're working for the bank? You're just another employee of the bank because after doing everything, most of the money goes to the bank. And then the other thing you can do is to reduce taxes. So I mentioned there are two people you need to pay from your operating profits, the government and the bank. So after you've taken care of your finance costs, look for ways, explore ways to reduce the cost of your finance. You can either pay off the loan or look for opportunities to raise equity. So 
equity doesn't come at a cost, unlike it, unlike um, loan. Yeah, equity has a cost, but you are, there's no obligation to pay out um, the money. So equity, when you lay, when you raise capital as equity, the money is more patient. There's no pressure like a bank loan where you have to keep repaying and then you pay with interest. So if you can substitute the loans you've taken with, with equity, that will free up enough money, enough profit for you, for you to make. So that could be one way you substitute the loan with equity. You can re renegotiate the terms with your bank. You can pay off the bank, your current bank, and then take up another loan at a lower and more affordable interest rates. So these are options you can explore to improve and, and reduce the cost of your the, the, the cost, your finance cost, the cost you are paying in loan interest rates. And then taxes, there are options to reduce taxes, but I need to make this distinction. There's a difference between tax avoidance, avoiding tax, and tax evasion, evading tax. Now, they are not the same thing. And anybody who's not been, who's not really been in business circles might not understand this difference. Tax avoidance is legal. You can avoid tax. There are legitimate ways you can avoid tax. There are initiatives that are already in the tax code or in tax law or in government policy that allow you to, to legitimately, to legally avoid paying some tax and save some money. That's why you tend to see that uh, rich people, successful entrepreneurs, even big companies are able to avoid thousands or sometimes millions of dollars in, in tax. And it's perfectly legal. So you just need to know how to explore those loopholes and opportunities and initiatives that are available legally. Now, that's tax avoidance. Tax evasion is when you, when you have to pay tax, but you refuse to pay the tax. Tax evasion is criminal. Tax evasion is criminal. Tax avoidance is not. So these are, these are differences you need to understand. And of course, you need to work with a tax consultant or a tax lawyer to help you understand the opportunities that are available to you for avoiding some taxes and then um, squeezing out some profits for your business. So in the end, after you've paid the bank and you've paid your taxes, whatever remains is what you go home with. So it's time to recap. In this episode, we've talked about uh, five, the, the importance of, we've talked about profits and I focused on five ways to improve profits in your business. Just to recap, I mentioned that one way is to increase your margins. The, the, your margin is the difference between your sales price and your cost price. You can either increase your price or look for ways to reduce the cost price of what you sell. Another option is to increase your volume. And I, I mentioned ways you can increase your volume. And I also talked about the GP matrix, the four kinds of businesses based on the kind of margins that they have and the kind of volumes they are selling at. I talked about zombie businesses, which are low, low margin, low volume. I talked about elite or boutique businesses, which are businesses that sell products or services at a high margin, but they sell it to a small number of customers, but still they are, they are profitable, they are successful because they have a high margin. And I talked about businesses that sell products or services at a low margin, and also they sell to a high volume of customers. These are mass market businesses, and they're usually um, found in everyday goods and services from haircuts to toothpaste to um, fast-moving consumer goods. And I talked about the premium segments. These are businesses that sell products at a high margin, and they sell it to a lot of customers. So your business falls within these either of these four quadrants but you need to make sure you're not in the zombie category because if you are selling your products at a low margin and you are not selling to enough customers it's only a matter of time before your business crashes the other option is to reduce your overheads so if your gross profit is looking good one likely problem is that your business is taking on more fixed costs than it should. And then I explained the options you can use to reduce your overheads. And then I talked about reducing your finance costs. It's possible that you're doing everything right. Your business is profitable, but you've taken out a loan that is costing you so much, a loan that is very expensive. That could be one reason why your profits are being dragged down. And then another option is to reduce your taxes. And there are legal ways to reduce your taxes, which is known as tax avoidance. But if you have to pay tax and you refuse to pay those taxes, that is tax evasion and that is criminal. So I hope I've been able to make um, all of these clear. So at this point, there are four important things I need you to consider. 
These are the kinds of topics we discuss in our private community of insiders. The insiders is a community of entrepreneurs who are building businesses. And we are all in a community. We are learning from our experiences. We are celebrating our success stories. And there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas. There's a lot of networking and collaboration. And what this does is that entrepreneurship is largely a solo or um, an individual journey for some people. But when you work with like-minded people and you have access to me and this kind of material, there is no kind of problem you have that we're not able to resolve. So this is the benefit of joining our Insiders program. What you've just learned today is just a very tiny tip of the iceberg of other things that are available to you inside the Insiders program. And to learn more about the Insiders program and join us in the Insiders, um, go to smallstarter.com slash insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com slash insiders. The second thing I need you to, to do is to tell your friends about this podcast. This is high-grade business information. And um, unlike many podcasts, I don't do most of the motivation and inspiration. All of all those things are good, but there's a lot of... Um, that Many of our entrepreneurs are lacking in the technical skills, in the understanding of the mechanics that make a business work. And that's at this stage of the podcast, that is exactly where I'm focused on. It doesn't matter how motivated or inspired you are. If you don't, if you can't figure out how to solve business problems, and that's exactly what we focus on on this podcast. So if you have smart friends, people who run a side business or a full-time business, tell them about the Small Starter Business Podcast, and they are going to be very grateful to you for it. The third thing I want you to consider is to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on an app on your your phone, um, leave us a five-star review if you love this podcast. Now, it's not just good for my ego. A five-star review makes it possible for us to rank higher in the podcast directory so that we can more easily be found by people who need this kind of information. So the more votes we get, the higher we rank. And one way to leave us, the best way to leave us a review is to head over to smallstarter.com slash review smallstarter.com slash review and then you can choose your app of choice and leave us um, a five-star review if you if you love the podcast if you don't love the podcast it's fine i don't expect you listen again but if you're listening again and again i think um, one good way to reward us is to leave us a five-star review and to do that head over to smallstarter.com slash review and then the fourth thing i need you to consider is to ask a question we feature i, I feature um questions on the podcast if you're question is sensible and I think it's something that will appeal to a, a, um, a vast audience. I can feature it in an upcoming episode. So I, I wish you more profits in your business, not just as a matter of motivation or inspiration. In this episode, I've given you specific action points. I've shown you the direction. I've shown you the areas where you can, you can, you, you can more or less turn a couple of um, nuts and bolts in your business and get the profits running down so that you get adequately compensated and rewarded for the risk you take in starting a business. Starting a business is not easy. So you deserve to make as much profit as is possible because you've taken a risk that a lot of people could not take. You're working so hard. You're putting in time and effort. You're applying your creativity and your, and your innovation and you're an entrepreneur. So you deserve your profit. So I hope that this episode points you in the right direction of things you can start to change to open the taps and allow more profits to flow. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.